You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The 55th Super Bowl is this weekend. 55. And a game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How's that for big winnings? Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. From the wild woods of Vancouver Island, welcome to the Soda Pod. You should draw me here alongside the state of Hoppy, Joey Neto. Thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. We have a great show for you here tonight, episode 125 of the Soda Pod. Thanks everybody tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, and those listening back on the podcast. I'll give the show rundown quickly here as we have our first guest waiting in the lobby i say first guest i should say uh, our big and only guest because joey's already riding shotgun with us um show rundown live right off the right off the bat former minnesota wild player and broadcaster for fox sports northwest walls then after that we're going to get into some hoppy hour uh wild and nhl talk and if we have time some judge joey before we jump into uh, our our first hockey segment here and we bring in west just a quick word from our sponsor at DraftKings. Folks, the 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55, and a game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How is that for big? Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And with that, let's dive into the first segment of the show and bring on Wes Walls. Like I said in the intro there, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by former Lethbridge Hurricanes legend, 
Minnesota Wild, and now broadcaster for the Fox Sports North. Uh, you know, out here, Wes, out in BC, where I'm from, we also call you the Canucks killer, Mr. Wes Walls. How's it going? Wow, Lethbridge Hurricane legend. I've never. It's been a long time since I've heard that. I'm not gonna lie. Wes, I'm a Western League like fanatic. When I see north of 100 points in the Western League, when you played, you're you're a legend in my book, sir. Put up some pretty good numbers in a couple of years in the Western Hockey League, but uh, I, I play with some pretty good players uh, too. Back when I played with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, I, I think it's actually. I think it still could be a record. The the one year we played in Lethbridge, we had five guys with 50 goals. I'm not sure if it's a record. Uh, it was standing about 10 years ago, but it's been it's been a record for 30, 40 years. But we had some pretty good teams out there in Lethbridge. Awesome. And it's pretty normal for Isha, even with a random guest, to talk about Canucks and the WHL all episodes. So I'm going to do my best <laughs> to keep steering us back to the Minnesota Wild. But okay. to start off, Wes, here's your platform to address the rumors. Are you, in fact, bad luck when you're on the wild broadcast? You know what? I, I actually was starting to think it was uh, it was turning into more of a thing. You know, I come out of the gate 0-3, and, and I'm doing the broadcast, and I'm, I'm leaving after our third game, and I'm like, why am I? Like, I'm not having that much fun. This isn't that cool. This, you know, I remember last year being a lot more fun, and um, and uh, I was having a tough time figuring it out. And then the next game... I came in, I, I, uh, I changed the direction. I'm not a superstitious guy, and uh, um, but I decided to, to change the direction. I came to the XL Energy Center um, the night we played. I think it was L.A. the last time we played L.A., and I changed my socks and stuff like that. And uh, thankfully for the Wild, I got us back on track. And uh, after the broadcast, I thought it was much better on the air that night. And I think it had, a lot of it had to do with just being, you know, positive and, and, and talking about great the wild we're playing so sometimes it can sometimes it can get a little dicey when the wild are having a tough night for sure well and are you a little worried that you changed too many things at once because now we don't know if it's the socks or if it's the new route to the rank yeah that's a good point i actually i uh i didn't wear my watch either the first three broadcasts i wore a watch the fourth broadcast to get me out oh, of the whole three and one yeah so that's a good point I, I never really thought about it that way but Things are turning uh, in a positive direction, so let's just keep it in a positive light now. Hey, Wes, before uh, we jump into a lot of the NHL talk, being that Scott and myself are St. Mary's alumni, we got to ask, what was it like to be able to, to assist coaching your kids growing up and then watching them grow as hockey players and even get to play at the collegiate level? Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I saw one of your pictures there earlier on the uh, – on the, on the homepage or whatever, where you guys are doing your podcast. And I saw the same, I go, I think that's a St. Mary's logo and uh, kind of caught my attention. My, uh, my oldest son uh, played at St. Mary's um, and graduated from there about four years or so ago now. And Bill Moore was the head coach out there um, at the time and, and gave my son Calvin a great opportunity to play out there. He's got his degree now. And um, I have nothing but great things to say about the program. They, uh, they did a great job and, um, my oldest daughter, who uh, was, was three years younger than my oldest son, she played at Eau Claire Division Three hockey out there, as, as well as getting her nursing degree. So um, I, there, there were a few years there where I spent a lot of time around Division Three hockey, watching the, the kids play hockey. And uh, I mean, it was an eye opener for me, especially the boys level, like the pace of the games and how fast the Division Three hockey was. Like I was stunned um, when I first started watching Division Three hockey, and uh, I mean. You could have, you could take probably in the Mayak, you could probably take the top three or four players 
off of every team and flip them out for a division one player um, all over the country. It just, uh, for whatever reason, some kids didn't get a look, maybe they were a little too small or uh, maybe their, their studies weren't as good, whatever, but everybody's got a story, but I was really, really impressed with the, uh, the pace of the Mayak. It's some good hockey boy. Yeah, it's uh, it was definitely fun to play in. It's a, it's yeah. a great league. And I mean, the top lines definitely rival those of the, some of the lower D at one talents. So yeah, that's a great opportunity for him. And yeah. I guess uh, kind of moving on, how hard was it for you to miss their games growing up due to your busy hockey schedule? Um, you'd be surprised uh, while, when I was playing for the wild. So I have five children, the three oldest ones, um, two have graduated from college. One's in college. And then I've got two young ones, a 10 year old and a 14 year old. It's not a mixed family, all from the same wife. Number four kind of snuck up on us and we decided to have number five right away just so that they could grow up together. So we were young parents, uh, my wife and I, I think we were, we got married at 22. And uh, so we were young parents, now we're old parents. So we get a little bit of everything. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, I was able to get to quite a few games, you know, when I was playing with the Wild, but not as many as I would like. Obviously there are sacrifices that every player has to make. It doesn't, you know, whether it's hockey, football, baseball, um, you know, if you're a professional athlete, there's just some things that you, you have to sacrifice. And, um, and uh, one of those was not being able to be at all my kids' youth hockey games. But uh, um, I tried to get there as often as I could. And, um, you know, and the coaches did a good job. I kind of stayed away from the coaching, to be honest with you. I just let the coaches do their thing. And I was the, I was the parent up in the far corner of the rink that would just kind of quietly do my thing and stay away from everybody. Didn't want to really hear all everything that was going on. It just kind of went about my business and uh, it was a lot of fun. Now with the two young ones, uh, actually just my U15 daughter had a game out in Rosemont tonight. So I raced home back to do the podcast here tonight with you guys. And uh, so I'm getting a chance to coach a little bit more with my, uh, my squirt son and my, my U15 daughter. And uh, I'm not the head coach, but I just help out whenever I possibly can. So it's been a lot of fun to be around the kids, especially more so now that I'm retired. My dad would laugh, retired at that at 48 years old or 50 years old or whatever I am, but retired from a hockey, being a hockey player, I guess. There you go. I was going to say, you're still, you're still a hard worker there, Wes. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to throw back to the WHL now because I have one, one question I want to chime in with. Um, I, I just have to say to a little bit of context, uh, right after high school here, I'm, I'm from Vancouver Island. I moved to Calgary and that was right in 2013 uh, when there was the lockout. So or the lockout for the half the season. So I immediately got season tickets to the Calgary Hitmen and, and, you know, went all in on the WHL. I even would travel with some of like the supporters groups up to Red Deer and Lethbridge and whatnot. And I have to say like the fans in Lethbridge and just the hockey community there uh, as, as well as some of my friends at the, at the university, they're so much fun. Um, and like I said, you played two years for the Hurricanes and arguably the best C CHL league there is and still is, in my opinion, putting up QMJHL numbers. I mean, talk a little bit more about your time in Lethbridge, uh, some of your teammates and just the WHL overall with your experience. Well, first off, I, I was a bit of a, I wasn't a bit of a late bloomer. I, I was a late bloomer. Like I didn't play my first year in the Western Hockey League till I was 18 years old. I mean, I had a lot of friends that I grew up with in Calgary that were playing Bantam and, and midget, midgets, midget hockey in Canada, guys, is the same as the equivalent of basically high school hockey. So I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of friends that were 14, 15, 16 years old that went away to play in the Western Hockey League uh, well before I did. I, I, like I mentioned, I was kind of a late bloomer. I stayed back um, and played midget hockey till I was 17 years old. And um, 
and they were better players than me for sure at 14, 15, 16 years old. And then for whatever reason, uh, my game just kind of developed and took off when I was 16, 17 playing midget hockey uh, when all my buddies were gone. And, um, you know, when I was listed by the Lethbridge Hurricanes um, in the Western Hockey League, uh, you know, it was, it was really nice because my mom and dad and my grandmother at the time were huge fans of mine and they followed me very, very closely. My, my mom and dad and grandmother, I don't think they, in two years, I don't think they missed a game in Lethbridge uh -huh. and Lethbridge is a the two, two hour drive, two hour, 15 minute drive. I don't think they missed a game. And um, so they were being close to home was really cool. And um, you know, the first year in Lethbridge, we had a decent team. We made the playoffs and then lost to Prince Albert in the first round um, in the playoffs. I missed Mike Badano by one year. I think he, he, he already left Prince Albert. Uh, that year. So Mike wasn't on that team, but um, the second year was uh, in Lethbridge after I had got drafted was really the special year that we had. And we lost, uh, um, I think we lost two games at home that year, two or three games at home. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had, I don't know, we just, we had five guys that scored 50 goals and then we had another guy that had 48 goals. And I think five is the record. We almost had six that year. Um, that's how much goal scoring we had. And uh, um you know, playing in the Western Hockey League was was awesome. It was a dream of mine as, as, a, as a child. You know, I grew up, you said you're from Calgary. I, I grew up watching the Calgary Wranglers. We were season ticket holders for the Calgary Wranglers. And it was ironic that the Calgary Wrangler uh, franchise actually moved to Lethbridge. And I ended up playing for the Lethbridge Hurricanes uh, a few years later. So we had some great teams in there in Lethbridge. Uh, you know, one of the things I look back in my career um, from a team standpoint was we made it to the league final, the Western Hockey League league finals against the Kamloops Blazers. And I think the Blazers that year, Ken Hitchcock was the head coach. You guys probably heard of him. <laughs> they had some, they had two D partners called uh, uh, Niedermeyer and, and Daryl Sador, Scott Niedermeyer Sador. Um, Corey Hirsch was their goaltender. They, they were loaded and uh, they ended up beating us that year. Uh, I think they only lost five, three or four games at home as well. We won game one in Kamloops. Game two, we were up 2-0 in their building, and they never lost in their building. We were up 2-0 with about five minutes to go, and we lost the game 3-2 in overtime. And then we came back to Lethbridge, and they spanked us all three games. We just never really recovered from that. So going to the Memorial Cup would have been would have been an amazing experience, and uh, unfortunately we fell a little flat on our face against the Kamloops Blazers. But uh, great times playing in the Western Hockey League. A lot of friends that I'm still close to today, Corey, some of those guys that scored goal, uh, 50 goal scores were uh, Corey Lyons was drafted by the Calgary Flames. I think in the third round, the same year I was drafted by Boston. Mark Gregg got drafted in the first round by the Hartford Whalers. I think he played about, I want to say he played two, 300 games in the NHL. He's now one of the head scouts for the Philadelphia Flyers. Jason Ruff was another guy. Um, Kelly Enns, ENS, a lot of names I'm throwing out, out there. You guys probably wouldn't recognize, but um, I still stay in touch with a few of those guys to this day. That's awesome. I got DB up, so you know, I, I got I got the team in front of me. Yeah, you know, we know everybody. Didn't one, of, didn't one of the guys have 48? I can't remember. Was it 47 or we almost had another guy at 50 that year? It's kind of it was it was crazy that five is a record has been is stood for like 30 years, but the fact that we had two guys, we had one guy that was two goals away from making it six was actually remarkable. I don't think it, yeah, I think it is still a record actually. There's a 48 and then um, also 37. Yeah, it's just this team. Yeah, just, Brian Bosch had 48 that year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was pretty remarkable. We could we could put the puck in the net. We weren't the toughest team in the league. And I got a, a good, cool story for you guys. So the um, so we were really, we could score at will. But we weren't one of the toughest teams. And 
Um, they changed the rules in the Western Hockey League. Uh, I think it was the it was the the first year that I played in the Western Hockey League was the first year that they took uh, the you couldn't share warm ups anymore because there had been some uh, brawls during warm ups oh, yeah. and things like that. So my second year in the Western Hockey League, uh, we would warm up separately. Uh, and I remember our first year in, in I remember my first year in in Lethbridge. We're playing in Prince Albert, and they got one of the toughest teams in the league. And we used, and we're going to probably beat them by four or five goals. We were that good. But we would talk up on the bench about trying to keep it close just so there wasn't a fight at the end of the game or brawl. But one time in warm-up, uh, one time we went into Prince Albert, they came down. They had three of their tough guys came down and took our net for warm-up. So they had both nets down at their end, and we warmed up without a net down at our end. And I think that was a final straw from the Western Hockey League. They said, we got to do something about this. <laughs> So our goalies, I remember coming in and warm up, shooting our goalie. There was no net behind him. <laughs> oh man, I heard. Uh, actually, my my the producer of this podcast right now, he produces a Terry Ryan's podcast, and I'm pretty sure he was in. He was one of the reasons why. I don't know. He was talking. He was telling a similar story, and he said that like he heard that story too, and that hit when you know when he was playing, he didn't make it really easy for the league either. No, no, I know. Well, I think the the hitman. I don't think it was quite as crazy. You know, it wasn't. I wasn't in the goofy, like I, my two years in the Western hockey league, it, the, the league itself, as far as the fighting and all that stuff, it just kind of started to get cleaned up a little bit. But some of the stories, like when, when I used to go watch Calgary Wrangler games, I mean, if there wasn't a line brawl, you left as a fan and I was only 10, probably 12 years old. I didn't realize at the time how scary it was when you get in those situations. But as a fan, I was like, Oh yeah, I can't wait to watch another fight tonight. I hope the game gets out of hand, but you know, later in life, when you play in the, in in those leagues and, and and you're scared for your life and you can't sleep in the afternoon because you don't you don't know whether you're going to get out of the building alive if you happen to beat somebody seven one, it was a, it was a scary kind of a scary time to be honest with you. Well, especially as you know a teenager, that's what's crazy about it, right? You know, we're we're all huge fans of junior hockey growing up, especially at that age, and then when you become an adult, you're like, oh my god, they're so young. Yeah, I know, and 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 even I mean, you could have sixteen year old kids in the Washington Hockey League and playing against 20 year olds. It's, it's kind of yeah. like a small man, 20 year old man. And some of those guys are mean boy. And um, so we cut our teeth in the Western hockey league, spent a lot of time looking out the, uh, out the window of the bus at three, four in the morning, driving between swift current and moose jaw wondering what the hell I'm doing. So you do a lot of growing in between uh, in between small little towns in Western Canada, when you're, when you're getting beat up and you're carrying skate sharpening machines around at minus 40 degrees. So you, you definitely, you learn a lot and nothing, nothing comes easy. And I think that, I think that personally helps, uh, you know, a lot of the kids make the, the, the step to the next level from a, from a mental standpoint. No, completely agree. And again, to wrangle things back towards Minnesota. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely don't take the easy way out here and just give me a one word answer. Give me, you know, whatever pros and cons you want, but uh, which role would you say is more challenging in the state of hockey player or analyst? Which is more challenging? Being an analyst, not even close. Um, you know, and even more stressful. You know, I'm not going to lie. Just, uh, you know, we, we grew up playing hockey our whole life. And, you know, I played in game sevens, uh, you know, in the playoffs and, and big games. And, and uh, you know, not just even in the National Hockey League. All, you know, junior over in Switzerland, we won a championship over there. Like, just played in a lot of big games and, and always got a little nervous, but once you get to the rink and you're, you start getting your equipment on stuff, the nerves kind of go away and it's just hockey again. And, uh, you know, you're not, it's not like you're fighting for your last meal or your last apple. Like it, this is still a game that's fun. 
Um, but being an analyst on television is, uh, was a different, it was a different animal for me. Um, you know, hockey players, athletes, we all have a lot of pride and we want to, most of us that got to this level want to be good at whatever we do. And, uh, I don't think it's any different being an analyst. I think you want, we want to try to do as best we can. Um, you know, we prepare as hard as we can, but being in front of camera, I remember when I started this eight, nine years ago, doing the pre and post shows, I just, I remember, I just didn't want to embarrass myself. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're working in front of like a million people that are watching you on television. And sometimes if you start thinking about that, when you're looking at a camera, you lose your train of thought. And, and then all of a sudden it's hard to get back on the tracks, but, um, it's like anything in life though. Um, and many people that have done this for many years have told me, it's just, it's about reps. It's about, you know, sometimes as painful as it is, and I hate watching myself on television. Um, you got to go back and watch yourself. You, you gotta, you know, you got to go back and watch yourself. You got to critique yourself, the good things you do, the bad things you do. You got to pay attention to what other analysts are doing. Um, why is this guy good? You know, and what does he do? Is he, does he, he, does he pick the right times to get in and out? I think being an analyst for, for hot, you know, in hockey is much more difficult maybe than baseball and football, just because it's, it's, and, you know, in football, you, you know, after a play, you've got 30 seconds to talk or 20 right. seconds baseball. You can tell a story in between pitches. Hockey, you might start to tell a, a small little story that all of a sudden a loose puck pops and the guy's got a breakaway, and uh, you know you don't want to you don't want to step on his call, so you just yeah. you stop talking, <laughs> and you may or may not get back to it. So, getting in and out has been something that I, that I'm continuing to try to work on, and it's it's uh, it's been a challenge. But the more comfortable I'm getting, the better I'm getting getting at it, and um, I think it's important to to. You know, and I did this as a player myself. I, I didn't, I never thought I was a great player. And I think that's why I ended up being a decent player because I never thought I was great. And I, I think I kind of go about the, that the same thing as an analyst. I don't think I'm great. And I just want to keep working at it and getting better and getting better. And then after you put a few years in, you look back and you're like, okay, man, he's come out the other side. He kept working at his trade. So it takes time. I didn't go to broadcasting school, boys. They just throw you in there and go, <laughs> go get him. Oh, you were a good interview when you played, you're going to be great. At this. And I'm like, uh, anyway, I haven't got fired yet. So that's a good sign, I guess. I love how you're still reviewing film, even, you know, off the ice. Yeah. It's painful to watch though, but every once in a while you have to grind through, you know, watching yourself on television and, and, you know, it'd be like, you guys watch yourself too. You watch a show back, you critique yourself, you know, you, you always think you can do things better. And I think if you're, if you're not doing that and putting yourself through the paces like that, I think you're, you're leaving yourself out there. So, but it's been a challenge and I've enjoyed the challenge and the people that I work with, uh, um, have been awesome. And I mean, like you said, you're listening back to yourself and you're also looking to others in the industry, like who, whether it's in market or out of market, who do you kind of look to as being, you know, the guy as far as analysts go? Eddie Olchek with the, uh, with the, 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 um, NBC, I think he's, he's the, the bar for me, um, he, he, he's very analytical, explains things, um, uh, explain th explains things. It doesn't make it too complicated for the, for the viewer at home so they can understand what he's saying. He's, uh, he, he's does a great job of getting in and out. Um, a lot of the analysts on the, on the NHL network are like, for me are just unbelievable, like really good. Uh, you know, very, uh, exp um, explaining what's going on on the ice. They, they can analyze play uh and and what's going on but they do it with a personality too and that's really really important too i think uh um you know everyone's got to be themselves and they are who they are uh i'm not the biggest raw raw guy i've never have been but 
you know, when I watch Ke when I watch Kevin Weeks on the air, he's got personality and he's he's well spoken. Uh, Mike Rupp does a great job. Mike Johnson, all those guys. I thought Anson Carter, uh, the guy that did the. Uh, um, the the anal analyzed the, the the wild game last night on NBC. I thought he was great, you know, and I hadn't even heard him before. And he, so he's had a few different reps and stuff, but I thought he was outstanding too. Um, so there's a lot of guys that are really really good at it, and it's it's like anything. If uh, you want to get better at something, you got to continue to work at it. And uh, like I said, I'm working with Anthony Lopanza. Ryan Carter's picked it up really really quick. Uh, he's solid uh, on the air too, and all, all the guys over at Fox are. Um, anytime you need some some insight, they're always there to help. Awesome. And I know we're coming up on time here a little bit for you. I have to at least get this in quick. Um, I, you know, anyone that listens here knows that there's a player that's kind of off the beaten path that I'm a big fan of for the wild. So what, if anything, can you tell us about one of my most undervalued players in wild history, Pateri Numelin? <laughs> <laughs> That threw, that, that threw me for a loop. Yes. Terry Numelin. So he, he's one of your favorite players of, of all time, huh? Uh, for the Wild, yeah. I mean, did you see what that guy could do on the shootout? Eight for ten career will Don't go worry. down as the best shootout percentage in the NHL, no questions <laughs> asked. And I was actually there for the game that he, uh, for whatever reason, they stuck him at forward for a game. He sat out Alex Ovechkin style on the blue line, got a pass and scored on a breakaway. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The 80% number. I did know that number. Cause I think he's right at the top of the league all time. And uh, we used to watch him in practice and uh, on breakaways. Like we used to have the shootout. Like, I think I want to say it wasn't the beginning of my wild career. I think maybe in 2004, that's when the, uh, when the, when the uh, breakaways started happening at the end of games for that extra point. And we had Pateri Newland. So we used to practice uh, at the end of practices and stuff, and none of our goalies could. We we, we stopped having Pateri shoot on our goalies because he was just crushing. He was crushing their confidence. Like like Roley would chase him around in the corner and stuff, and he made it look so easy. Um, but he was unbelievable in on the shootout. I, I agree. I, I've never seen anyone like him um, undress a goaltender, and he had so many different moves, and he was a smooth cat. I'm telling you. But that's interesting you said that. You don't hear that every day, that Pateri Newman's your uh, your go-to guys, your favorite wild play ever. I like to be different. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, look at the jersey play. behind him. It's not a wild jersey. He likes to be different. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we're going to have to wait for a while to see that guy in a wild jersey, it sounds like. Yeah, it yeah, sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, okay, I'm going to – one last question for me here, Walls, before I let sure. these guys wrap it up. But uh, again, I, I live in I live in Vancouver Island. I went to high school here in British Columbia. So like I, I love the Minnesota Wild and I love covering them here for the Hockey Podcast Network. But I do I do uh, bleed blue and green. Okay. And uh, I read I read an article uh, in the local paper here just a few weeks ago. Actually, uh, they were doing like a Canucks roundup. You know, talking about stories throughout history. And uh, they were doing a series. Or they were doing a story on the 2003 Canucks Wild series, and uh, I was just looking for some good quote, right? And I, I look it up on Google, and the first thing that comes up is Ed Jovanos had a pretty good quote here. When, when asked, he gave a good, uh, candid summary where he was being asked uh, what he remembered of that series, and he simply said, "I remember West Walls. I remember I wanted to kill that guy," <laughs> uh, which I, which I found wow, very, very candid. This many years later, by Jovo there, um, yeah. in talking, hey, he had his chance. That's such a great answer. <laughs> it's amazing. We didn't call we him special. We just called him special ed for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> 
Poppy, clip that one, please. <laughs> In Vancouver, we all know too well about the Todd Bertuzzi taunting you guys, suggesting you start booking tea times, and what, I guess, unfortunately for me, followed um, me being the Canucks fan. But I would just love to hear, you know, just you don't have to get into too much detail, but just a, a little bit of your thoughts on, on that series uh, from you firsthand. Well, it's interesting that you say you're from Vancouver Island. Like I spend my summers, we have a, we have a, uh, we have our summer place out in the Shushwap Lake in British Columbia. Oh, so beautiful. That's, that's where we spend our summers. So I still go back to British Columbia and, um, you know, some of the people at the grocery store still, they, they want me to go down the other aisle. The people that work at the uh, grocery stores, they don't want to see me around there. Anymore, oh my God. Still wear my wild stuff around, but yeah, they, <laughs> they, uh, they don't, um, uh, yeah, they still holding it against me all these years, but that, that was an amazing, obviously that run was unbelievable. The Bertuzzi story just kind of took on a, on a life of its own. And I think it was Dane, Dane just recently wrote a, a piece on in the, in the Star Tribune and uh, he interviewed a bunch of different players, uh, you know, Andrew Burnett, uh, Jimmy Dowd, uh, Jason Marshall. There were some guys that had some quotes in there about some of the stories about that 03 run that I completely forgot about. And they were true. I, I remember, uh, I can't remember the story. We were down three games to one. We went into Vancouver and we practiced out in Burnaby at, five, at eight ranks out there. Mm. And the wild were practicing, the, or the, uh, the, uh, the Canucks were practicing before us. And they were all out, half of the guys were out there skating without helmets. And I remember Jimmy Dowd losing his shit, like watching practice. He's like, can you believe these effing guys? These guys think they've won this. Look at these guys. And, and, and Matt, um, Jimmy Dowd was good friends with Matt Johnson and Matt Johnson. Like I, you guys don't really know him that well. He, you talk about somebody that wanted to kill somebody. He wanted to kill people. Matt Johnson, he was on our team. Okay. We had to stop him. He was, he was going to chase those guys out of the parking lot. Like in the, we had to all like two or three guys hold him down at Burnaby eight rinks there. That would have been a story in and of itself. So Jeez. that part of the story never got into that story, but I remember Jimmy Dowd and, and Matt Johnson Moose, we used to call him, he was the original Moose. We used to tell Moose like, listen, calm down, man. We don't need anything stupid going on here, but he was ready to grab a few of those guys, those Canuck guys. A couple of them don't know how lucky they were that day to get out of Burnaby uh, eight rinks alive. But anyway, it was a, they were a great team. We, we had our hands full uh, much like the Colorado series. No one gave us much of an opportunity to beat Colorado. We were able to hang with them. We knew we could hang with the Canucks. Um, we got unbelievable goaltending. Um, our power play was unbelievable. Uh, we scored some big goals at the right time. And um, uh, yeah, those, that 03 run was, uh, was a special time for, for, for me personally, for all the players that were in the locker room. And, you know, we didn't even really realize how we were affecting the state back then. It was just after we, fin after we lost out to Anaheim in four games, I mean, we're walking around the public. I mean, it was amazing. I had no clue what was going on. People were coming around, hugging us, telling us how drunk they were for the last two months. Sorry about that, guys. So, it was, I mean, it was crazy. And uh, time I'll never forget. Oh, amazing. I I'm going to track down that article. And the next time you join the soda pod, I'll have some more, uh, I'll have some more pinpointed <laughs> questions for you on that series. Yeah, that's good. It was worth reading. Yes. So Wes, here in the soda pod, we like to, uh, we have a segment to talk, uh, that talks about happy hour, what we're drinking on the, on the podcast, what our favorite breweries are. So that kind of leads me into, uh, my next question is what was your favorite bar to visit for, uh, post-game beers, both on the road and at home? 
Oh, and we lost Walls, Joey. He didn't like that. We'll, we'll see if he comes back. No, I think I think that was going to get him into a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, we, we can give him a second here to jump well, back on. The funny, he, he did say, "He's like, guys, I have a half an hour. We just hit like exactly yeah, half. Exactly. Hour. exactly. Like, His internet cut like off. <laughs> oh man, that's still better than Kyle McLaren's internet. So <laughs> that's true for those who uh, tune into the Stick Hungry podcast. But uh, as we try to bring Wes back here, just to to you know wrap things up, maybe ask him uh, one final question. Uh, you know, Joey's question, one final question from Hoppy. Um, if he doesn't join us again, he's having some issues, then I uh, just want to give a huge thanks to West Walls. Um, some awesome stories there, both uh, his time in junior, the 03 series, and uh, I, I love his reaction to Hoppy's question about Newmelin. Ah, that made me happy. <laughs> his, his shock at the question made me even happier. He hit uh, Scott's description right on the head there. Um, Scott likes to be different. <laughs> Um, all right boys let's pivot right into the hoppy hour if uh, if west joins again then uh you know we'll continue the conversation there uh to everyone tuning into the live stream thanks for joining us in that segment facebook youtube twitter and twitch and again those listening back on episode 125 of the podcast let's go right into the hoppy hour thanks for listening we'll see you all on the other side First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalak. To Stalak! To Stalak! I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. Oh, you're all hopped out? Oh, you're listening to episode 125 of the Soda Pod. Big thanks again to Wes Walls, who joined us in the last segment. A little bit of a sudden exit, but hey, we don't blame him for that. Uh, those tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, thank you very much. And again, you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Monday and Thursday. This is the Hoppy Hour, boys. What is on tap? Go ahead, Hoppy. All righty then. Um, so we had plenty of people that were just in an uproar during our Malt Madness bracket that we did a few months back uh, about how there just wasn't enough love being given to Blackstack. Well, I agree. They're a phenomenal brewery. And if you like them, you need to check out down in Burnsville, uh, one of the newer breweries to the scene, Bricksworth. Um, it's a sister brewery to Blackstack. So I'm not sure. I think it might be the head brewer's son or one of the owner's sons that had worked there for a long time, branched off and started this one. Uh, we were going to talk about it on Sunday before Q bailed on us. But again, he owes us. He'll make up for it. But they were top to bottom, great beers. I think there was nine on the menu and we had flights of, I think seven total out of the nine IPAs, phenomenal. Uh, porters and stouts were also quite good and he liked their sours. I won't speak to that, but, um, this no, one, no, no chemical reactions going on. No chemical reactions. Fuck. I still got that right here. The ironically named make good choices. <laughs> Um, but this one, Isha, cause I know all you care about is how strong it is. 6.8% and, uh, it's called pizza rolls. I don't know how you beat that. And to go with that, they actually have really good food in the kitchen. They got good, like Detroit style pizza. They got wings nice. and it's just a massive space. So, uh, we actually paired that with a trip back out to ineffable great as always. And it just makes for a nice little spot. That's kind of been underserved for beer for a while. Got those two new ones to the scene. Go out, check them both out if you're anywhere near the, the southern suburbs there. Very nice, very nice. Joey, what about you? I'm going with the 7B Hazy. 
It's a hazy IPA out of Laughing Dog Brewery, which is in Ponderay, Idaho. So this is a, a new one for me. Um, Hoppy would love it. It's a, basically a citrus blast. They have five different hop varieties in it. They got Simcoe, Citra, Eldorado, Amarillo, and Mosaic, which I believe is Hoppy's favorite. Ooh, Mosaic, so, Simcoe, here we go. Yep. So I think the best thing about this beer is that it's 6% for an IPA, so you can have more than one or two and and still go on with your day and not not be feeling it the next day. So, yeah. Not in the uh, bag. <laughs> so it's, it's not one of uh, Hoppy's triple or quadruple IPAs, so you can <laughs> – you can throw back a six pack. I've had one quadruple IPA. Enough of that. Um, all right, I got uh, I got my last uh, beer from the space case. Um, I know the last for the regular listeners of the Soda Pod, you probably ripped me like Hoppy, being like, "Oh, is it, is it warm, Misha? Did you throw it in your fridge this time around? It's been two weeks. Uh, no, it is still warm, but I'm gonna drink it anyways, folks. <laughs> I'm gonna drink it anyways here. This is the Tan Lines." Toasted coconut brown ale, seven point four percent. It even says on the can, "It's a strong beer," and I'm excited to. Uh, well, I'm not gonna lie; I would have been more excited if it was cold. But c'est la vie. It's the hoppy hour. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, boys. I like the artwork on that one, man, and that's like right in the Joey Netto wheelhouse for a beer. I know that's if cold. Yeah, yeah, if cold. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had a brown ale warm before, but toasted coconut. Honestly, it, there's um it's it's pretty damn good like yeah cold this would be incredible warm bearable probably gonna enjoy it for the rest of this podcast not gonna lie um no the not a huge uh hint of coconut which is what i was hoping for i like coconut but it has its place not in beer uh dave aikman says have you talked about a 33rd team yet? it's coming it's coming this is the hoppy hour do we just Hey, we can we can go okay, to that next. Okay, I got okay. I got nothing else of beer. All right, let's go. Let's talk about it right now. We don't even need a, an intro, a segment, or anything. Let's uh let let's bring it up here. Hoppy. Well, and well, let's see, uh, Joey. I want your perspective on this because I feel like we're probably more in alignment than they are. Like, if you were to pick at least two or three markets that you think we could put an additional hockey team, where would you put it? Uh, one would be Wyoming. Um, All right, so. fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, um. I think my, my first would be somewhere in Wisconsin. I think like Madison, Milwaukee, or maybe even Green Bay. I mean, look how those teams follow their, their sporting teams out there. They, lo- they love to drink. They love to go to sporting events. So that would build an awesome rivalry between the Blackhawks and the Wild and kind of have that, that upper Midwest um, NHL belt there. I mean, you even have Columbus and, and Detroit too. So that, that would be an awesome road trip. Um, if you're If you're making a trip to visit a bunch of hockey teams, you could – you could string them along along the way. And yeah, I mean, I think those, those smaller kind of niche markets would do really well. Um, it it kind of goes like Quebec too. I mean, they would have a smaller arena and it would be more of a, a homey atmosphere in those rinks. But my first choice would be somewhere in Wisconsin. Interesting. Okay. That wasn't even on my list or theirs, but do you have that one that you wanted to throw up Isha? Um, I'm just, I'm just grab. I was just sending a quick thank you note to, to Wes. Um, so I'm going to bring up the, their Twitter poll, uh, right now. So I'll just hand it over to you, Hoppy, while I get that up. All right. So, uh, if I recall correctly, their list had Quebec city, they had Houston, they had Bay area and they had Portland, uh, two of which would be in my list of three or four, two of which wouldn't be anywhere near it. 
Um, I don't think that there's any reason to put a team in the Bay Area when you've already got the San Jose Sharks and three teams in California. Uh, so that's a no for me. And I don't think that you're going to take a brand new team expanding into Seattle and be like, hey, let's slap another team right next to them in Portland and just really disintegrate a lot of that market reach you were just going to get. Because pretty much everyone in Portland is going to be all over Seattle. But see, um, I figured Bay Area was a troll. I disagree with that, though. I mean, I think they're kind of like – they're a market that loves their sports teams. Look at the Trailblazers. Sports and, team. Well, and the, the Timbers. Yeah, okay. One, the the honestly the Portland Winterhawks of the WHL are one of the best WHL franchises both on the earnings but, side and with their consistent products. And then look at the rivalry you would build between Seattle and Vancouver. I mean, Portland's a massive town, so they're not. Wait, wait. I I agree though. We've already got Seattle, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, and then throw in Portland there. Why why not have three right there? Uh, because I just think there are better ways for the league to capitalize by getting more market share than putting a team right next to their most recent expansion team. That's why I don't have a problem with Portland ever being a franchise. I just well, don't I mean, think that's how you heard where you want to put it yet. So we can't argue against you. Well, where I would put it uh, again, I think that Houston and Quebec both make a lot of sense, but the one that wasn't listed that I really like too is Kansas city. See, I've already got the facilities. They've, God, yep. again, like you said, Joey, they've got the crazy fans. You've seen Sporting KC. You've seen what's happening with the Chiefs. Shit, Patrick Mahomes might be a part owner of that team for all we know. Um, but he could probably lace them up and get 15 goals. This guy's a stellar athlete. What state are we going in? I don't care. Put it right on the border so that they can both states can claim it. But uh, my real answer, to be completely honest, is there will not be a 33rd team. It is going to be the Florida Panthers relocating to one of these locations. And it's probably going to be Houston. That's the most likely one. It makes the most sense from a revenue perspective. But I think Kansas City would be a really cool one to expand into. But Joey, I do like your, I don't think it would ever happen just because of the market size, but I think having one in Wisconsin would be really cool and there would be a following. There's just, I don't know if there's the dollars there to make it make sense. Oh, I completely agree. It's not a sexy choice for the NHL who, who needs money. And right. I mean, that's always hurting. It would, it would be a good for the local market. Selfishly, I'm, I'm with it though. We'll, we'll have Iowa you know, get out. Joey's a mom says Iowa. <laughs> That's Dave, the least oh, shocking thing ever. Look at that. Dave completely agrees with Hoppy. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. Scott, how long uh, were the scouts in Kansas City? I don't know, but they left a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, I, I don't know how long they were there, to be completely honest. What what league was that? Or is that a... I don't know, was that the... Oh, shit, what league was that? It might have been I. Yeah. For, for scouts. The I... The I the I what? The IH HL. Okay, okay. Well, I was just wondering. You didn't see and say the full name there. I mean, come on, man. This is how how often do you say WHL instead of the dub or the W? I I never say the dub ever. You've I mean, said it before. Maybe Thank once. You, Derek. Okay. Derek says the scouts were there for two to three seasons. Okay. <laughs> we can always count on Derek for the fact check. Yeah. Appreciate it. There but you go, yeah, I, I think all of us are in agreement though that a 33rd team probably, if it ever happens, it's not going to be anytime soon. I do think relocation of Florida, if they don't f find a way to relocate their arena, like that's the thing that makes the most sense. Cause I, I would have said Arizona, but 
I feel like they're doing all the right things down there and there is a market for it. I, I think that Florida moves before they do. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement that there won't be a 33rd team. But if they do expand, do you think they do it two at a time now instead of having an odd number and, and do two to make it 34? Um, not if they're going to keep doing the same expansion draft because having two teams draft at the same time would be rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I remember watching footage of uh, in 2000 when, you know, Columbus and Wild and just how it all worked. And it was with like limited computers and it was just insane. It was insanity. Just watching like the behind the scenes footage of like what happens. Well, what happened in that day of the, the expansion draft? It was nuts. Absolute madness. Um, all right, let's uh, made let's us. made us. It was absolute <laughs> made us here on the soda pod. It's always made us here. Um, let's okay. let's move on to our next segment here and talk, uh, talk a little NHL here on the other side of episode 125 of the soda pod. Thanks to everyone tuning in on the live stream and tuning back in on the podcast. I would take the Northwest Passage. To find the hand of Franklin reaching for the Beaufort Sea. What the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, oh that's the best one yet, producer no. Pigeon. That is fantastic. I'm, I accept I'm, zero credit for that. That was all the Pigeon. I'm thinking like... <laughs> You know, while he was uploading and downloading stuff, so the reason why Wes, you know, got disconnected now is because of your guys' tomfoolery over here. Uh, worth it. Worth it. 100%. For those listening on the podcast, what are we at? 40, around 44 minutes. Jump on uh, any of our at the Soda Pod on Facebook or at Hockey Pod Net uh, live stream options on social media to see that bad boy. Um, NHL, uh, NHL talk, boys. Let's get right into it. Hoppy, uh, how about you introduce this one? Because you were texting me late last night about it. Yeah, and I, I'm sure a lot of the hockey world is already very aware, but uh, if not, we, we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more on Sunday if any news breaks on Tony D'Angelo, maybe, maybe not being traded. But if you haven't seen, please check out Mr. Booth on Twitter. Um, that is at Mr. Booth underscore seven. Um, just the greatest trolling effort I've ever seen from someone. Um so supposedly exposing the Tony D'Angelo burner account. I, I won't say anymore. Go check it out and uh, jump back on and listen <laughs> next episode when we talk about it a little bit more. Mr. Booth. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is some of his best work and he he's one of the, he's one of the good ones on Canucks Twitter. He, he's one of the best and uh, yeah, unbelievable stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading our outline uh, right now. Canucks killer jumped out of the French wagon and just started pushing. We're all talking about uh, not not West Walls here. Uh, Tyler Toffoli. Man, this guy, this guy has the Canucks number. He, he is living rent free in their head because it seems like when they play Montreal and when they play this guy in particular, when he's on the ice, whatever line, whatever defense pairing, whatever goalie. He's just working them everywhere, and it's it's crazy. As a Canucks guy watching these games or, you know, driving home from the office, listening to the games on the radio, and I keep hearing uh, Jeff Petrie to Tyler Toffoli. That's right, Shane. I want to puke. I would <laughs> I set that one up for you there. I hope you're happy. Oh, man. I've never seen someone who spent such a short time with a team go on such a revenge tour, and what, four more times you got to play this guy? Oh my God. He wanted to sign here too, right? Like he did not want to leave, you know, Jim, what? Jimbo Benning here, uh, fucked up. What was the stat? Someone said that if, uh, played against the Canucks for a full 82 game oh. season, he would break Gretzky's single season goal record. 
Well, he's on pace. He's on pace to to break every like every record where like a single player goals per a single team uh, against a single team. He's about to break that whatever whatever it is right now. I, I someone was talking about on TSN 1040 yesterday. I love it that uh, he's he's doing it um, as a team that you picked who's going to finish on the bottom in the. Oh, Canadian that, that feels really good too. That makes, I gotta it, say. that makes it hurt even more for you. I mean, I never pretended to be an expert. <laughs> I just fucking hate Montreal, and now I hate them even more. Oh, that's beautiful. But uh, on a more positive note for you, because the Canucks don't have to play this player during the regular season, Joe Pavelski. Holy shit, is he a wagon? Guy has seven goals, seven assists in seven games played. And, like, I don't know. I've never – he's always been a great player, but I've never seen him do anything like this. It's insane. No, he's – He's unbelievable. And yeah, nearing the, you know, I don't even say the end of his career, but the later half of his career, you know, sure. players tend to slow down. He's not the, you know, he's not Joe, the Joe Pavelski as he was on the, the San Jose Sharks, but man, he's he's definitely come out of the gate swinging. He's looked so solid out there. I mean, the guy can't do any wrong, it seems right now. Tyler who? <laughs> oh man. And I don't know, did either of you catch any of the Tampa and Detroit game today? No, sir. Well, well, I checked in. It was what five one after one or two. Uh, I think at the end of two. End of two. And at yeah, that point, they took the foot off the gas entirely. Yeah. So it's well, yeah, it's it, Tampa is showing how good they are and how bad Detroit is. See, yeah. that's one of those games that doesn't prove anything. Like I don't know if it's because of how bad Detroit is or because of how good Tampa is, but it's just the perfect storm, right? Well, yeah, and you look north of the border again. The Vancouver Canucks, the only team they can beat is the Ottawa Senators, and it's it's like the same sort of deal. It's like, hey, how do you really judge this team if they're beaten? You know, the team that Isha thought would uh, be, you know, higher than the Montreal Canadiens at the end of the year. Yeah, that that he did, but Senators. so in the game today, like Tampa was not celebrating for goals, like showed zero enthusiasm. Really? And I I was listening in between the the two NBC games tonight. Like they're like, what do you do if you're on that Detroit bench and you see these guys scoring goals and not celebrating? Like, what does that do to your mindset? Honestly, it's just crazy. It's, I mean, they're up five one and they're not celebrating. I think that's more disrespectful than them celebrating at this point. I mean, <laughs> you score a goal in the NHL, you kind of want to celebrate, but when you're putting up five and you're not celebrating, that's just disrespectful. And I love that it. is that is a troll job if I've ever seen one. Love it goes it. it goes both ways though, because like it's hard to celebrate when you know you're beating the shit out of a team. Like you feel bad celebrating. I don't think it was like done to rub anything in on Detroit, but I I understand that that's exactly how Detroit's going to take it. Oh yeah, like, well, look at the, look at the well, look at the World Juniors. I think it's about you know, you you cap out around six seven before you stop celebrating, but you still hug the boys. You maybe just don't, you know, skate by, uh, skate by the bench and give everyone a high five anymore. Yeah, well, Braden Point is uh, a little bit better than some of those guys. So, yeah, um, <laughs> no, that I, they're absolutely killing it this year, and they're going to coast their way into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that's when, yeah. that's when we'll see the games begin again. And maybe they get Kucherov back. Oh my goodness, <sighs> that's the thing. A reminder to anyone, just a casual hockey fan or just Minnesota fan listening to this, they don't even have Nikita Kucherov right now. <laughs> Thank you for the enunciation. Every time now I think of that player, I, it goes through my head and I'm like, such an idiot. Holy shit. Me, um, what else do we got? 
Um, more COVID, shocking. Um, and we'll we'll dive in a little bit more on uh, the more pressing matter here for everybody once we get into more wild talk. But uh, before we had the news today, uh, we already knew that New Jersey and Buffalo were going to be postponed and pushing several games because of uh, COVID outbreak. And we're not sure if, uh, Joey, you probably are closer to the Buffalo stuff than us, but I've heard that it might be a matter that they're worried that some of this got transferred on ice. Yeah, this is absolutely disgusting what the NHL is doing right now to handle this situation. They are flat out lying to the general public saying that, oh, they didn't know any anything happened between the New Jersey game on Saturday going into Sunday. That's absolute bullshit. There's multiple reports of Sabres players saying that they did not want to play the next day because they knew Kyle Palmieri had COVID, was placed on the COVID list, and then all of his line mates were out able to go out there and play the next day. Well, now, now the Devils have 17 players on the COVID list. That's the biggest for a team yet. I don't even think Dallas had that many. No, not even close. And and now it's believed that they were transferred um, through through contact on ice. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's absolutely disgusting that what Bill Daly is doing right now, going out there lying, saying that they made no contact between New Jersey and Buffalo, saying that there is – they didn't want to delay the game or anything like that. So that's bullshit. Um, I mean, this this could start to derail the season. I mean, you look, you have one team with 17 players. Buffalo now has five. Minnesota's got six. So it it's going down, going down a, a bad path. I mean, they have the taxi squad, but that's only so much you can do. Yeah, and it's it's all happening at once, which is you know the worst case scenario for the National Hockey League, and it seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot right now because this probably could have been prevented. Yeah, I mean, and and going back to the the Devils and Sabers, there's a picture I believe it was from Getty Images of Saturday's they game. All are they're all from Getty Images. Yeah, yeah. but there's there's a picture of the five Devils players minus the goalie. Four of them um, have COVID now. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. They're all on the ice at one time. That's it's bullshit. So, I mean, that's all I really can say about that is the way the NFL is handling that is, is horrible. Oh, Derek, you coming in hot with these comments. I love this one. Uh, no $100,000 fine for the Devils. Oh, man. Gotta love those uh, those small NHL fines there. <laughs> I mean, they can't find them anymore. They already brought Chica, and I think they're maxed out on NHL fines. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to get like the pad in studio where I can just do like the boom boom. All right. Last uh, NHL story before we uh, wrap things up, just talking uh, more just straight up wild talk. Paul Maurice boys, coach of the Winnipeg Jets. What a beauty. And I love when this guy comes on radio here locally on TSN Vancouver for me out on the West coast, but his, he's a soundbite machine and also probably the best players coach in the national hockey. Did you guys not hear this clip earlier today of him? We're, we'll play it here on the, the soda pod, but just quickly your, uh, your your thoughts on Paul Maurice uh, before we play this, Joey, because I know before we jumped on the show here, we were talking a little bit about it. I know Hoppy hasn't seen the clip yet, so maybe I'll share you know his thoughts for right after before we move on to our last segment. He is the player's coach of all players' coaches. I mean, these these clips that you're about to hear are fantastic. I love how he, defend, he defends his players. He rips the, the hockey analytic crew. I mean – Analytics are awesome in hockey, but just the way he he tees off on them to, to prove them otherwise. So here's a quick clip uh, of Paul Maurice uh, defending Blake Wheeler to uh, uh, well Bell M- to, at the Bell MTS Center to TSN Sportsnet and the the whole shebang of the media crowd. 
I'd just like you to be right about it. Like, I, 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 right, you'll, you'll do your deep dives and analytics and God, they do a horse job of telling you what five guys do. Like the goal that you're, you're beacon them on last night, you got put in a real tough spot by a horse back check by somebody else, right? And I, I'm sensitive to it because I've been in awe of this guy since I got here, his, his work level. Like he's unimpeachable in his character and how he runs that room and how he plays. He's got 11 points in 10 games. <laughs> yes. and, and yeah, shift length shorter because I'm asking the whole hockey team to run their shift shorter. Oh man, he's got 11 fucking points in 10 <laughs> games. Like, <laughs> Uh, that was the title of like the 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 clip on the TSN website, which just it was obviously really? it didn't it didn't say fucking it was like uh, censored there. But I was like, wait, what did you say? And fire it up, and you got more more than you paid for there in that clip with Paul Maurice, and you always do because, like I said, soundbite machine, and one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. He's been with the Jets for so long, as he should be. <laughs> Fuck, who was their coach before? Oh, it's escaping me. He was a he was a funny he he was a soundbite machine too. Oh man, I'll, I'll get back to you guys on that one some other time. But he he was he was great as well. They didn't win, they didn't win because he kept putting Pavlik in the net. But hey, it is what it is. Um, all right, should we move on to some Minnesota Wild talk here, boys? No, it's not. <laughs> all right, well you can you can continue to try to you know pick it and bring an NHL team to Wyoming, but uh, we're gonna talk some NHL here. <laughs> Oh, man. So Minnesota Wild have had four games postponed through February 9th due to NHL COVID-19 protocol. Tell me if you've heard this before. Um, man, it sucks. Um, so obviously they're supposed to play tomorrow night or if you're listening on the podcast tonight against what well, was going to be the battle of the depleted because both teams had everyone out to injury. But uh, now missing two games against Arizona and the start of uh, the series against the Blues and really ruining what was supposed to be a nice four-game homestand for them. Um, the five players placed in protocol on Wednesday, Jared Spurgeon, Nick Bugstead, Nick Benino, Jewel Erickson Eck, and Marcus Johansson, which, I mean, I wouldn't shock any of us if there are more names that come out of this, but, I mean, it just, I don't know. It sucks. It's weirder when it's now finally happening to the Wild, but, this really shouldn't come as a shock to anyone. This is happening everywhere and weird. It's what happens when there's not a bubble. Yeah. And we, we've talked about it all year about how COVID was going to be a huge influence on this whole season. But I mean, kind of, we're almost at the point now where is, does the NHL cancel the season? I mean, look what the NWHL just did today. They, they canceled their remaining playoff games. Obviously it's, it's not as big of a league as the NHL, but well, it's still, it's crazy because they were doing it in a bubble, and that's what's exactly. so sad about that, right? Yep. That that's what it, I read that earlier too, and it just, oh, man. Yeah, it sucks because I mean they put in so much time, so much effort to to do it the right way, and and I mean now it's off the rails, and I mean look at the NHL season, we're we're heading down a path that it's it's not a good trend, and well, I guess we can only see what happens from here. Like I said before, there's only so many taxi squad players and AHL players that you can call up. Yeah, and it's tough because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to at all try and speak to the, you know, accounting and finance of the NWHL, but NHL has their backs against the wall. Like, they're going to do everything they can to keep the season going because they're already deep in the red and they need anything they can to start crawling out of it. Um, I 
it worries me that it could be to a big fault at some point where they're going to keep pushing when they shouldn't. But as of now, like they're going to stay the course and they're going to do everything they can to keep this season alive. Even if it's going to be fragmented, people are going to have games moved. Like they were ready for this. They had some cushion at the end of the season to be able to do this before playoffs. I just, you know, kind of like you guys are saying, I just hope they don't push it further than they should. Do you think yeah. that maybe just some pauses like, Hey, we have to take two to three weeks, just stop and quarantine, just no movement, stay where you, you know, like, and we got to figure this out. No more traveling. Like, do you think oh. that's a possibility is there is a little bit of buffer room and let's be honest, boys, there's not going to be an Olympics this summer with the way that the world is going. So it, there's Probably not, not that many pressures there if they have to push the playoffs into the summer again a little bit. Yeah, I guess that, that took away from my point. I was going to bring up that if they if they do do that, whatever, how many weeks postponed, they will run into the Olympics. And who knows? The Olympics might be like, like the NHL and they, they need the money. Imagine, yeah, but I can't imagine. The, the fucking IOC, they don't need and, the money. They get their know, money elsewhere and we all know that. <laughs> right. But from the, the NHL perspective, like if I'm Gary Bettman, I'm probably sitting here thinking, okay, like just because these teams are having an outbreak, like me stopping the other teams isn't going to do anything for them to protect them from these other players that were exposed. Right. And well, the thing, if there's not even enough teams to play, if they're like, if the scheduling is getting out of hand where they're, they're canceling so many games where it's like, look, sure. Okay. Maybe we'll play the two games, you know, in Canada that are fine, but like the rest, we just need a, we need a break. We need everyone to just stop, stay where you are. If you have the, the virus recover and then move forward again with the same plan, just keep chugging along. I, mean, I think if the NHL can find a way to have three games in a week, they're going to do it. But look at, look at the wild and, the Sabres and the Devils and the and Dallas. I mean, they're missing four to five to six games in a week. Like that's going to be tough to make up, even if you do postpone it. The, I mean, yeah. the players don't want to postpone or prolong this season. I mean, they want to get it done with, get in, get out, get the playoffs over with. So, I mean, if if we keep having these outbreaks where it's a mandatory seven day quarantine, it's it's going to be tough to reschedule all these games. No, it is for sure. It is for sure. Uh, let, let's move on, boys. Uh, Hoppy, what else we got here? What else do we got here? So let, let's talk a little bit of Jared Spurgeon for a minute, just because, well, Twitter was not happy about <laughs> uh, the lack of comments on Jared Spurgeon, we'll say. Um, one of Isha's favorite writers, Thomas Drance, uh, posted his projected lineups for Team Canada uh, no sight of Jared Spurgeon. Uh, Drew Doughty was on there, and that immediately sets Minnesota Wild Twitter ablaze. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys comment first before I, I guess, give my take. Love you, Thomas Drance. You're an incredible writer for The Athletic, and I love you on TSN 1040. Um, yeah, in, interesting. I think the outrage is it's not warranted. I mean, story of Jared Spurgeon's career. And again, it's not like hockey fans don't know who this guy is. It's not that it's not like hockey Canada doesn't know who this guy is. Let's just be honest. If they're building a team a certain way, the way that Canada likes to build their team, there may be just better options than Jared Spurgeon. Now as a wild fan and someone who's a fan of Jared Spurgeon, who has been a fan of Jared Spurgeon's entire NHL career, I think there's 100% uh, a spot for him to try to make this team at least be given the opportunity at, at camp um but to be honest there's so many there's so many defenders there's so many great right. you know, canadian players to choose from can you really blame that they didn't choose one of the many elite players look look canadian fans look wild fans chris kunitz 
was on freaking Team Canada, and he was not. He, I don't want to say he didn't deserve to be there because no, he he brought Crosby onto that team. How dare you? Because uh, you know we won the gold medal that year, but whatever. Um, but but you know what I mean. Teams are built a certain way, even at the international level. Level, and if you have so many pieces to choose from, I, I could re- I can see Jared Spurgeon being left off the list a hundred percent, and I'm not. I don't think you guys should, or Minnesota Wild fans should be triggered by it or up in arms about it at all. It, it is, it's the way it is up here in Canada with all the talent. Yeah, I don't think Spurgeon should take this as a slight at all. I mean, like you said, there is a crazy amount of Canadian defensive talent. So I, I, it's just he's not one of the top eight in Canada. So, I mean, there's nothing saying he's not a great player. He's not a, an awesome NHL player for the Wild. It's just... I don't think he he fits in what Team Canada is building for their uh, Olympic gold push. No, and Hobby was was Kale McCarr on that list? Yes, I believe so. Which I'm not going to argue against. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it. McCarr and M. Gerard playing together, which is super smart because they they play together in the normal season. So it's, I mean, well, I was just gonna say, maybe, maybe Wild fans will be like, "Well, isn't that disrespectful because of their age?" It's like. Look at their dominance on the ice. Look at their chemistry with the players that our Team Canada is going to bring. McKinnon's going to be on this team too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, and for for me, like, I I'm not saying that Spurgeon can't or shouldn't make the team. I'm seeing a lot of people that are upset, like saying he should be on the first pairing. Like he's one of the best defensemen in Canada. Like, sorry, not getting on board with you guys. I will say a, a positive note for Wild fans though is that they just named the. GM for Team Canada, and he's seen quite a bit of Jared Spurgeon. So, like, that gives him, if he does deserve to be on the team, that's going to give him every leg up on getting onto the roster. And people are going to really Armstrong. hate to hear, people are going to hate hearing this. Huh? Doug Armstrong, by the way. Is that, that correct? Yeah. General Manager, St. Louis Blues. So, yeah, like yep. you said, he's seen sorry, that. I should have said that. Um, but. <laughs> The, the thing that's going to really piss people off is that Drew Doughty is absolutely going to be on this team. Like, oh, sorry to piss people off. Like, you're pissing off Canadians now, dude. <laughs> dude, the guy's been on Team Canada since he was, what, 18 years old? And he's yeah, he still... games. Gold medal <laughs> yeah. game. He did I... sleep in for the gold medal game. He got that, in just, that tells just me that that's a guy who doesn't get shaken in a big moment, okay? Uh, but, like, first off, I don't think that Doughty's at all what he was when he signed his big extension for himself, but he's not as bad as everyone says he is either. Like you can look at his analytics and stuff. That's fine. Look at the fucking team he's playing on. I'm sorry. That absolutely has an impact on those numbers. Um, Now, do I think that he should be on the team over Spurgeon? No. Do I think that if it's between those two for a spot on the bottom pairing, that it's going to be Doughty? Absolutely. So Brace yourselves, be prepared to be keyboard warriors and go to town because no one on Team Canada is going to listen. And guess what? I'm cheering for Team USA, so I hope that that's the case. (laughs) What are the chances USA uh, gives Tony D'Angelo a call? (laughs) I'm going to say slim. (laughs) And Nick Floor turned off the podcast. Okay. Uh, Kaprizov, he's looking so, so fucking strong uh, on the puck. And to be honest, away from the puck as well this season he's uh he's come as advertised i know i've said that a few times on this podcast i know we like to talk about him on every podcast and we don't want to oversaturate the caprizov talk because you look at twitter and it's it's every second uh 
it's every second flick of the thumb there. But boys, let's just let's end the show here talking a little bit about this prospect, especially like uh, like we have noted his 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 great ability to be strong with the puck. And Joey, I think he'll agree with me on this wholeheartedly because we've talked plenty about this player. In no way am I saying that Kaprizov will be Pavel Datsuk because he won't have the same two-way game, but you see the way he picks the puck from players, the way that he protects the puck and what he can do with his hands. If he was just a better, like like a stalwart, we're talking like Selkie caliber defensive player, he would be the second coming of Pavel Datsuk. He needs Holy those silky shit. mitts too. He doesn't have those silky mitts like Datsuk. But I He's guess he got time. Datsuk didn't even have it until he was like 30. So oh, yes. <laughs> lefty does, Isha. I mean, you saw his first goal in the NHL. He tried <laughs> to put that off. <laughs> that was a beautiful, beautiful goal. How dare you? Beautiful bounce yeah. and whack there. <laughs> shit, man. Joey, you could have even scored that one. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I would have jumped in. in Let's be real. <laughs> Dump and chase, baby. No, but yeah. I, going back to Kaprizov, like, it's finally the wild fans have somebody to talk about. I mean, we've, we've talked about him for shit, how many years over in Russia? I've... But now he's here and he's living up to the hype. We finally have our superstar. So it's, it's awesome to talk about. And a young season he's a young player and it, it hopefully can only go up from here i mean he, he's proving his worth and i mean he's fun as hell to watch i love it man i'm i'm look i, I watched wild games last year covering the team uh for the soda pod here on the hockey podcast network i kept coming back you know willingly and excited because of fiala and because of you know just the, his impact on the game and now another player to the fold that i can come and be excited to watch this the this team as well that's what it's all about when uh, in the National Hockey League. I can say the same thing for the Vancouver Canucks in the dark days. Uh, I don't I know, man. Are, are you saying that this year though? Pedersons looked like shit. Yeah, but Hughes is making up for it. So there you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean the whole Vancouver is a little disappointing this year. But overall, when you got those young players, the new ones where you still have questions and you haven't, like Hoppy said, we haven't seen. He's still so young, and he we haven't seen the best of them yet. It's kind of like, what am I going to see tonight? What what else am I going to see tonight? And that's what I like uh, about Kaprizov. Uh, before we end off, folks, um, and, and boys, uh, Wes just sent me a message, says, uh, I'll be back down the road. That was fun. Thanks for having me. So, again, thanks, Wes, for joining us. That was fun. Uh, quite the exit right on the dot. <laughs> that's how we do it here on the soda pod uh thanks to everybody tuning into the live stream facebook youtube twitter and twitch and again back on the podcast episode 125 thanks for tuning in on google spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from uh folks the best thing you can do for us this week is give us five stars on itunes and apple podcast and a kind review go listen through our website the hockey podcast network.com if you're a fan of the sport if you're a fan of hockey talk every niche in the sport every niche or every uh team in the nhl we have a podcast for you so go check that out um laura saying hello boys and uh hoppy i'm the one wearing the glasses though tonight hoppy doesn't have his um and folks again on your app download the episode before you listen as it helps our business uh don't forget to follow myself at vi sports talk you can follow the network at hockey pod net soda pod at the soda pod uh jump on facebook though because hoppy we have uh our contest still going on on facebook that we do and we're hoping to get a little push here from some of the breweries that have told us they're going to share it but anyone we have until the 28th of february during the day we are going to be drawing 
someone to win a free jersey. And I'll tell you what, if you don't like the Subway jersey, we're fine pivoting to whatever Minnesota Wild jersey you like, whatever name you want on the back, even if it's Pateri Newmelin. Tell us the size. Only, we're going to send it to only you. Only if it's Newmelin. Ooh, yes. I, <laughs> you'll be my favorite fan if you do that. But um, please share, follow, like, and uh, you know, hopefully you'll have a chance to win the jersey. We'll see. Absolutely. You can find Hoppy over there at State of Hoppy. Joey, thanks for running Shotgun all episode as you uh, usually do Wednesdays. It's so much fun. Where can, where can the fans find you? They can find me at Twitter at Joey Neto. <laughs> Pick me. Uh, very nice. Very nice. All right, folks. That was episode 125 of the Soda Pod. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, oh, actually, one last thing. And it's a good thing I scrolled down the outline. Uh, Hoppy, you want to go over our schedule for the next two or for the next couple of weeks? Sunday, we're changing things up a bit due to Super Bowl and, well, Valentine's Day. Yep, just next two Sundays, we'll be streaming at noon. If you want to wake up and be disappointed, just like you always, you know, have the last couple months for Vikings games, we won't disappoint you quite as much. So tune in or don't and listen to the podcast on Monday either way. Well said. Signing off, I'm Isha Jeromey alongside State of Hoppy, Joey Neto. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, boys? We're good. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild. And now, the starting lineup for your blue podcast Tom Franklin and the man called Wags Hello and welcome to Blue Notes I am one half of your Blue Notes team Tom Franklin joined by my teammates the man called Wags and we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network and that includes expert analysis. Whether it's at Enterprise Center, when you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake neighbors. Brayden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach Craig Brube reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well and then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me so uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your ear. Never wanting to leave the ice when the pain set in. So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcast from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump, 
listen to Blue Notes, and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. 